Father, right now I thank you for this opportunity to be gathered in this house with these people. I pray, Lord, that everything that happens in this service will glorify you. I pray that you will bless this offering. Because, Father, one of the hardest things to do sometimes is to give. But, Lord, I pray that you would just speak peace over hearts and that you will bless what is given. In your name I pray, amen. So, for the past couple of weeks, we've been speaking about Joseph. I can't get away from the story of Joseph. As I've been studying, as I've been reading, God's been challenging me. When I was doing the devotion earlier this week, there was a verse in it that I wanted to start out with this verse. This verse comes out of Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Young's literal translation says this. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those, oh, I just read the same one. But I say to you who are hearing, love your enemies and do good to those hating you. Bless those cursing you and pray for those accusing you falsely. For those of you who love English like I do, that is something that is happening right now. Right now. How hard is it if someone was doing those things to you right now to love, to bless? Looking at this story of Joseph, the past couple of weeks, we talked about such things as God's favor being upon someone's life. Thank you. We talked about the fact that this fight may not always seem like it's fair. Have you ever been there? Yeah. There have been times I've been like, this just isn't fair. Like, I have been praying and literally said, like, God, this isn't fair. But a third thing is that the fight is not always as it appears. Oh, that verse, I can't get it out of my head. That verse, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That Ephesians verse. Because everything I see can be flesh and blood when I focus on that. Everything that I surround myself with, I can discount God and be like, God, this is really what's going on. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a fight in Joseph's case, in my case, here is a truth, that the deepest wounds can sometimes come from the people that we love the most. You know what? You're in a church right now. Spoiler alert, huh? In a church, it is filled with people. I have seen some of the most selfless displays of love happen within a church. I've also seen some deep wounds inflicted, unintentionally, maybe even sometimes intentionally, to be honest. 
When you are in a family, when you are in this kind of body, you're amongst imperfect people. I being the lead imperfect person. When we begin reading about Joseph, that story, we tend to forget he was only 17 years old when this all began. Here's a cliff note version of what happens. You know, last week we had talked about the fact that the brothers saw him from afar off coming and they hatched this plan that this is how it was going to go down. Here's a recap. In verse 18 of Genesis 37, the brothers see him. They hatch the plan. Reuben, who is the voice of reason, says, don't kill him. Let's only throw him in a hole. Verses 23 to 25, he is stripped of his coat of many colors. He is thrown into a pit. And then after he is betrayed, the Bible says that his brothers sat down and had a meal. Judah. Lion of the tribe of Judah. Someone in Christ's bloodline. As they're sitting, comes up with this idea. What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him. Can you imagine? Like, how much would your head be spinning if all of these things had just gone down? You're in a hole. You smell dinner cooking. You're not getting any of it. And you hear them going deeper into the plot. Along come Midianite traders. Joseph is sold to them. That precious coat is taken, torn. Goat's blood is applied to it. It is presented to Jacob, his father. He is told that his son is dead. He is devastated by the news. Devastated to the point where he makes a statement that he will mourn his son's loss for the rest of his life. And the brothers who betray him are the very ones to comfort the father during this time of loss. I mean, this is messed up. This is like lifetime movie marathon messed up, Dr. Phil three-hour special messed up. The last verse of Genesis 37 says this, Now the Midianites had sold him to Egypt, to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh. He was a captain of the guard. They didn't even hold on to him for that long. They wanted to turn a profit on him. Here's the truth. Maybe it goes with what I said earlier. Maybe the reason that you feel the way that you feel is that you're starting to realize that the enemy wants to kill the dream. He will use whatever and whomever he can to carry out the plan. But here's a beautiful thing. God will use whomever or whatever to carry out his plan. The God that I serve is more powerful. The devil not only wants to kill the dream, but he wants it to have a ripple effect. What do I mean by that? Joseph was not dead, yet his father mourned his loss. So what the devil wants to do, and here's just kind of a glimpse into his playbook, he wants you to begin to mourn the loss of the God dream for me. 
He wants you to begin to mourn the loss of the God dream for someone else who's in here. Because it's not that the God dream's dead, but if he can give the perception that the God dream's dead, then he can begin to do his work. This is why when I pray for your family, when I pray for your child that hasn't darkened the door of this church in quite a while, I speak life to the God dreams. I do so loud enough that the enemy can hear me. I refuse to say that the dream has died. I refuse. I have stood here with the audacity of faith to speak life and speak it again and again and again, and we're not going to stop now. I speak life to God dreams. I speak to the miraculous. I speak to all those things that in the natural may not make sense but I refuse to say that it has died. Here's a truth, something we learned when it comes to grief, when it comes to uncomfortable ministry situations, that we as people tend not to want to address a situation because we don't want to make it uncomfortable. Do you think that the parent who sits here with a broken heart for their prodigal is going to be made uncomfortable by, by the fact that you say, I'm praying for your child? Nope. Because it's on their heart 24-7. What you're saying is, I'm in this with you, and I see it through to the end. And not only do I see your son or daughter coming back, to Jesus Christ, but I see ministry coming out of this. I see the things that he's going to do. I see all the things that the devil meant for harm playing out in a God way. Audacity of faith. Audacity in the things that we do and how we go forward. Here's the truth. You may feel like you're in the valley. You may be the one that says, oh, that sounds all well and good, but it's my child right now that my heart's broken over. Here's a crazy thing about valleys. When you shout in them, it echoes. And the beauty of it is that in a place where you think this is low, could it get any lower? Start shouting. Start calling it out for what it is. Because someone needs to hear what's going on. Someone on the other side of that needs to hear what's going on. It is time for us as a church to understand that the enemy wants us to leave the dream in the pit. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to keep the pit in the forefront. He wants to keep my mind circling that pit. Here's another spoiler alert. You know what? This is crazy, Al. The more I read that, you know what I don't hear? I don't hear that after Joseph goes on to God's destiny, that he takes a trip back to circle the hole. I never hear that. Here's the enemy's game. 
He wants to highlight the worst part of the experience. He wants to say to you, remember, remember, remember how cold it was when the favor was stripped off you? Remember the look on the faces of those people who betrayed you? Remember the pain when you hit the bottom of that pit? Remember hearing them carry on as if nothing happened when you were at clearly your lowest point in life? Remember the cruelty? Remember every detail of it? The primary goal of the pit was to break you. That's what it was. Really, it was to get you to break yourself. And then say the devil did it. I'm telling you, you are in a place right now where God has empowered you to shout praise. You may be bruised. You may be sitting at the bottom of the pit. It may not have felt good, but God has empowered you. The devil wants the dream to stay there. He wants it to stay right there. You think of all the there opportunities that Joseph had looking at that. Think about when you hear someone say, well, you know, I haven't, why haven't you been around church? I haven't seen you. Well, so-and-so said this about me. And in one sentence, it's like I was so hurt I'll never go back. No, and I'm just being real. What has God said about you? What has he said? The looks of disgust. I don't think that when he was getting thrown in that hole that they were like doing like the airplane thing, like swinging around, putting him in gently. I think that they were mad. I think that it was ugly. I think that when his coat was stolen, it was a pretty brutal thing. I think that when he hit the ground, I think he bounced, and I think that he had bruises as he was sitting there. I think that as he sat, he had a there moment where he could have thought any time he hears people happy, it takes him back there, the time that he remembered when they were being happy after they threw him in a hole. Here's what's crazy. They sold the guy for 20 shekels of silver. Doing a little market value thing right now, it's $125.40. I mean, could you imagine doing the math and be like... And you sold me for $125? Like, you split that up. How much do each of you get? That's like not even a Giorgio's pizza. <laughs> a few years ago, I had the privilege of going to Gettysburg. And I was with uh, Norm and Dennis and Kevin. And we decided we wanted to go tour Gettysburg. And you can go up, and they have this little parks office place. It's pretty nice. And you can get a map, and you can go tour it yourself, right? Go to all the places, and you can try to figure out how to get there, where to park, or things like that. And I remember when we went, there was this guy. And he had... He had, like, Civil War facial hair. It was, like, something out of Tombstone, this guy. And I just remember looking at him, and he looked mad. And, like, I avoided him. What's wild is when we asked about tours, though, they did this one tour where the guide drives your car. And so we're like, yeah, that'd be cool. Who do we get? The angry-looking Civil War facial hair guy. Hey, my name's Mike. I'm going to drive your car today. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. This, this is going to be bad. Here's what's crazy. 
It was the most in-depth tour and one of the best things that I've ever experienced. I mean, this guy would drive, he would drive down an alley and you'd be scared and he'd be like, see that right there? That's an original bullet hole. Not many people know about that. The things he knew, it spoke this to me. That the one who guides you shapes your experience. Who are you letting drive? Or better yet, are you letting no one drive and you're like, I'm cheap, I'll just do the self-tour. Just do this myself. An uncomfortable truth is the fact that you can tell what someone truly worships by what takes the lion's share of their time, schedule, communication, or thoughts. Are you worshiping the name of God or are you worshiping the problem? What do I mean by that? We go through things. But do we speak as those who have hope in the things that we go through? Or do we speak as those who are resigned to only bad things? I choose to worship the name of God. It says in Psalm 106 verse 8 that he saved me for his name's sake. It says in Psalm 31.3 that he's my rock and fortress. For his name's sake he will lead me and guide me. In Joshua 7, 9, when the Canaanites, when all of the people that were God's enemies were kind of being counted up, and they are looking at them, and they're understanding that these people could surround them and cut them off from the face of the earth, God is asked this question, what will you do for your great name? God is not in the business of losing. God is not in the business of making us look foolish for his sake. But we've got to come to a place where we change the way that we approach the problem. So there's this thing celebrated in Mexico. It's called Day of the Dead. You're like, oh my gosh. Listen to what I'm going to say. The general idea of this, before it gets really weird, is the fact that when a loved one passes away, they choose a day to remember that loved one. Then it gets really weird. But take this first part. (laughs) Here's the why. The why is that there's this belief that once you stop talking about or thinking about that loved one, they cease to even be in memory or exist. I'm not saying have a day of the dead party at church, but what I'm saying is that some of us need to quit talking about things and keeping them around and keeping them alive. Some of us need to quit talking about problems like setting up a memorial for the things and keep saying how bad it is. We need to start seeing what God is doing, what he has done, and how things are getting better because that's testimony. That's where it's going. Genesis 39. We skip chapter 38 for some major dysfunction. We pick up at 39. We learn Joseph is purchased by Potiphar. 39.1, he's one of Pharaoh's officials. He is that captain of the guard. Here's a synopsis of verses 2 through 6. The Lord's with Joseph. Joseph prospers. 
he lives in the house of this Egyptian master. The Lord gives him success in everything that he does. He finds favor in the eyes of Potiphar. Potiphar puts him in charge of the household. He entrusts everything into Joseph's care. The Lord blesses that household because Joseph was in there. That would preach. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and out in the field. Potiphar leaves everything in Joseph's care. It said the only thing Potiphar had to even think about during the day is what do I want to eat? Because Joseph had it. As everything seems to be going well for Joseph, everything comes crashing down. Verse 20. Joseph is wrongfully accused and Joseph is thrown in prison. Here's what's wild. When you study this, I always had the thought growing up that Joseph worked for Potiphar for a long, long time. Anyone else ever think that? You're like, no, because I studied it before you did. Jewish scholars believe that Joseph only worked for Potiphar for one year. Here's a little bit of timeline. Joseph was 17 when it starts. Joseph is 30 when he is put in charge of Egypt. 13 years along the way. So think of this. So Joseph worked for a year, is thrown in jail. And so in theory, he could have been in jail for 12 years for being wrongfully accused. That turns a story totally different for me. You're sitting there and you're thinking, for the past few years, all I felt is loss. Every time that I press into people, it doesn't go well. Seek out relationship, just feel betrayed. You may be like, what is wrong with him today? What's wrong is I'm being real. And I'm speaking to us in the places where we are, relationally, how it can be so hard sometimes just to be honest, to be transparent, to put ourselves out there. How many of you have ever felt like Joseph? Yep, those closest to me, they don't care. Yep, the church, you know what they say about church? Well, it is true, every bit of it and then some. If you're feeling like Joseph, check out the meaning of Joseph's name. His name means that Jehovah shall add. When it appears that you're losing at every single turn, know that the fight has always been spiritual. And what God adds to you, the enemy can never take away. I can't even put to name the good things that God has in store. There's this verse that we as Christians like to read, and we like to apply a little bit differently. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. See, we can get in this way in church of thinking that only applies to heaven. Oh, my. There are things that defy explanation that God has in store on this side of glory. And it's time to begin living in a way where I know that my God has this. Oh, I know heaven's going to be beautiful, but I also know on this side, I want every blessing that God has. That may sound selfish, but I'm telling you what, I want everyone. 
the same enemy of Joseph is the same enemy as now. He has no new playbook. But here's the beauty. My God is the same. My God is the same. When I was young, I wanted something. Young, I mean when I was 48. <laughs> Give me that slide, uh, the Adam West one, the Batman. I grew up watching this Batman. Look how intimidating. Those eyebrows and everything, right? <laughs> this was my Batman. I know it's a little darker now, a little more, I guess, high tech. This was my guy. I wanted a bat belt, Heather. That's what I wanted. I wanted a bat belt. It was the coolest thing because regardless of the situation that Batman got into, he had the bat belt. One particular episode, give me that, Batman ends up in a bad situation where a shark attaches to his leg as they're flying in a helicopter. Now, to be true to the story, Batman did not have the remedy on his bat belt this time, but that ladder is attached to the helicopter, and he calls up to Robin. And you know what he asks for? Give me this next one. Look what's in the helicopter. Oceanic repellent bat sprays. <laughs> he calls out for the bat shark repellent. And he's like, he sprays it, and the shark just falls off his leg. Some people would say it was a fake shark. I But what's wild with the whole thing is that Batman always knew that what he needed was within reach. If it was up to me, though, here's what's wild. I would only be comfortable in myself if the bat belt that I had on had like 2,037 things on it, right? For anything that I may encounter. Could you imagine that? Like, Tommy, could you imagine how heavy that would be walking with that thing? You'd be dragging it, right? Like, it wouldn't even go. That's not how God works. The way that my God works, it's like he knows what I need for that day, and that's what he gives me. Almost like daily bread, if you will. Like the daily bat belt. Like, when I get up, God belt a truth, put it on me. It, for you, it may be belt of truth. For me, it may be a bat belt of truth. But I'm telling you, God gives me what I need. In his divine power, he knows everything that needs to go on. It says in Second Peter, his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness through your knowledge of him who called you by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given you very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I'm going to close, but before I do, here's a thing. I heard something, and it's gotten in my spirit. A couple of weeks ago, we went with the worship team to see Elevation Worship when they were here. It's very powerful, very cool to see. You may be sitting here and you may say, again, all good, all great. 
but I don't know what to do. I feel shattered. I feel like inside I'm a million pieces. I'm shattered. Here's where you start. Get in the word. Get in the word first and foremost. The second one. You have a church family. As I was sitting at my seat, I just felt like God was saying, and like I have to repeat it to someone, what are you carrying and why do you think that it's yours to carry? You have church family who will bear your burdens. You have church family who, we're in the same boat. I want to know that I can help you. Because in a selfish sense, I need your help. There are times that you're going to carry for me, and there's times that I'm going to carry for you. The third thing is change the atmosphere. Oh, what do you mean? It's almost a stereotypical thing. You think of young people that when they go through a breakup, they listen to sad songs. Other day I was driving, it's Billy Ocean came on. Billy Ocean from the 80s, and he's like, there will be sad songs to make you cry. And I'm driving like, who even listened to this? When would it appropriate? Like, I'm depressed, and I have a healthy marriage right now. I'm, yeah, I'm depressed. <laughs> but maybe you need to put on some praise. Because when I went to Elevation Worship, they said this line, and I think you need to hear it. They said, worship music is important because in times when we don't know how to pray, it gives us a prayer. So there's this song that they sing, and it's called Same God. And I think you need to understand that the same God who saved your soul is the same God who's got you right now. This song, it's talking about, I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. He talks about, I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. They go on through the verses to talk about biblical accounts of how God showed up. He is the same God, and he's still showing up. But what I love is the bridge, and it says this, you heard your children then, you hear your children now, you're the same God. You answered prayers back then, you'll answer now, you're the same God. You were providing then, you're providing now, you're the same God. You moved in power then, and you move in power now, you're the same God. You were a healer then, and you're a healer now. I'm telling you what, Laverne, that's what I stand on. When I pray for your son, I pray for him like he was my son. He is a healer, the God that we serve. There is nothing that is impossible. I speak the miraculous. You were a savior then. You're a savior now. You are the same God. If you will stand. (laughs) 
a beautiful thing about Joseph. Circumstance did not jade his heart. He didn't become the very things that he hated. And one thing that I notice is throughout every ordeal, the word that I would use is gentle. In this season, I'm calling for God just to rain down that gentle spirit. Not to take what the devil's throwing at you. Oh, no. As I told you last week, when we went to play paintball and they said you can capture a flag, I did not rent this gun and buy these paintballs to capture a flag. I do not get up in the morning and put on spiritual armor just to wear like a costume. The God that we serve empowers you. You are more than a conqueror. If the prayer team would come forward, we're going to close this in prayer, but then we're going to offer an opportunity. If you need to come forward and you need to agree with people in prayer, these are your people. If you don't know Jesus Christ, come forward. Tell them, I want to pray. I don't understand all this. But I want what other people have in this house. If you bow your heads. Father, right now I thank you for the fact that regardless of circumstance, you are God. I pray right now, Lord. that you would erase our memory of the way back to the pit. <laughs> because there is no reason for us to take that trip again. In your name, I speak the miraculous over every situation. God, I pray that you would stir every God dream. There is breath and there is hope. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak it.